Welcome back to Paracast, brought to you by Scottish Disability Sport. In today's episode, we'll be continuing where we left off with Robin Love. We'll be discussing the future of wheelchair basketball and how a post-pandemic return could help the sport reach all-time highs. We'll also be discussing how Robin's time in the sport has helped to shape her view, motivate her, and more recently, find love. From Worcester to Paris, we'll be covering all that and more in today's episode of Paracast. and stuff which is weird it's a sensitive topic but especially in environments which are uh, predominantly filled with uh, disabled people especially disabled athletes it seems to be something that they're they're very welcome into talking about uh, as someone who grew up in in mainstream school and around people who uh, also didn't have disabilities and someone who yourself um while having a, a condition it's not something which affects you as much as other disabilities might affect other people Do, what was that change in environment like for you where all of a sudden people were, were talking about their disabilities and stuff um and how did that affect you would you, would you say um i think by then you know i was what 24 so i'd become more comfortable with my disability more comfortable talking about it um as i got older uh, like I said, I had my operation on my leg and to be honest, I think that was a turning point for me. It kind of made me realise that, you know, hey, I'm I'm proud, this is who I am. Um, maybe it's because I could walk a lot better, I don't know. I don't know what that kind of turning point was, to be honest. Um, but certainly within wheelchair basketball, it's a whole new world. Like, there's just people who are just like, yeah, this is this is my disability and this is what I did, this is what happened to me. Or And I just found it, like, amazing um, that people were so open um about their different impairments and stuff um and again like I still it's not something that I'll talk about massively and I don't know if it's because for me I'm not bothered because it's all about what you can do on the basketball court so usually sometimes the first question people will ask when they meet you oh what points are you um whereas you know I'm I don't know and I don't want to know I don't care what your points are I just want to know what you can do on the court um to be honest and I'm hoping that as we kind of move forward uh within wheelchair basketball it just gets more like that um and kind of points of course they are a necessity to make it equal but people will talk more about their kind of skills on the court rather than the points points that they are yeah absolutely uh, and i mean it, it, make, it makes complete sense because there's a, a spectrum of people um all over the points range who who are uh, exceptional at the game and it doesn't even matter what their points are it's you can someone could be a 3.5 that can be as good as someone who's a, a 1.5 vice versa and stuff like that so yeah, so yeah it, it, it should definitely be be a focus do you think that your way of thinking is uh quite progressive or do you think that in the sport it's it's something which is becoming more of a focus than the points i think in general as wheelchair basketball gets more mainstream and um, people are more focused on the skills definitely um, because the points are difficult to understand. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, if I was just Joe Bloggs off the street coming in and watching a game, you're not, you don't know about points. You just know they look tall in their chair, they look small in their chair. Oh well, that was they got that big person in. It's called a curl. They got that big person in by doing that move. Isn't that cool? Um, you know, to me, I, I think that the world is. As it gets used to wheelchair basketball and seeing it more regularly on the telly, especially, um, it's all about what we can do on the floor. Um, but I do think it is still important to understand 
as a viewer that, um, for example, a one-pointer, um, say they don't shoot very much or they don't get the ball very much, but actually, if you watch what they do, they are creating, they are a playmaker without the ball. And I think maybe um, maybe it's not so much about their points, but it's about, in wheelchair basketball, like American football, for example, you've got ways of making plays that aren't with the ball. And I think that the kind of intricacies of the sport are being better understood. Do you think that the whole point system and uh, maybe also the the way where substitutions aren't made like for like, you have to sort of walk around the point system, do you think that has been something that's maybe uh, hindered uh, the popularity of the sport due to the uh, how some of the, the rules are complex and stuff? And do you think that's something that's becoming a lot more well-known to, to people who are getting interested in the sport? You know, gosh, I'm not quite sure. Um to be honest, I think some sports are a lot sexier. Um, you know, I think athletics, for example, might be a bit sexier. You know, if you're on your own, you know, in wheelchair basketball, for example, if we go to the Paralympics, there's got to be at least, you've got a squad of 12 and at least eight to nine of those players need to be at the top of their game uh, at the same time. Um, and whereas in athletics, for example, it's just you on your own. You just rely on yourself and your training and what you do. You don't have to worry about team dynamics. You don't have to worry about team culture. Well, you do, but you know, not maybe as, as in much detail as you do with a team sport like basketball. Um, basketball as well, you have to usually you have to find a wheelchair basketball team and they can be far away. Whereas an athletics track is just around the corner at my school yeah. or, you know, it's a lot more accessible. Um, compared to wheelchair basketball for me for example I had to move if I wanted to play at high level I had to move down to England which isn't something that not a lot of people can do um, so I think that the game could become more accessible if more people played it um, again it's expensive chairs are expensive um, but I'm hoping that in the kind of coming years with the investment that British wheelchair basketball are putting in and you know f- hopeful um and confident that wheelchair basketball within Scotland and, and England is just going to keep continuing to build even stronger in, in the kind of coming years. And you spoke there about the fact that you had to you had to move to to be able to become part of the, the national team um, uh, GB uh, change of location and stuff like that. Uh, and obviously we already spoke about you sort of becoming um aware of that whole environment around wheelchair uh, basketball and stuff like that. How do you think it changed uh, from you just joining Lothian Phoenix and getting ready to that environment to, to being in a lot more of a competitive environment um, when you moved, especially being someone who is Scottish in a predominantly English sport? Yeah, uh, well, to be honest, Lothian Phoenix were great. You know, the guys um, really took me in. I was one of the only women um, within, the, within the team. Uh, Tina was coaching it. Uh, so lucky for me, I had a coach that was pushing me uh, to be better. And I also had teammates pushing me to be better. Um, but for me to uh, get on the GB team, all, like at that time, all the GB women had to relocate to the same place, which was Worcester. So it wasn't just me relocating, you know, I think um, it was everyone. Um, so I wasn't alone in that. But yes, I was the only Scottish person and and, and still am the only Scottish sounding person on, on the GB team. Uh, but, you know, I think we all made sacrifices at that time just to be better, just to get better. Um, and I think it I think it paid off. I think we're, we're pretty good, you know, second in the world, second in Europe, not, not yeah. too shabby. Um, but yeah, as the only... 
kind of Scottish sounding person. Um, you know, it was it was hard when I initially when I first went. You know, no one knew what I meant when I said diluting juice. Uh, <laughs> you know, that was a challenge. Uh, yeah. But I, you know, you get used to it, and it just makes me appreciate home even more. A hundred percent. Yeah, and um, it, it sort of always feels like when you're at Lothian Phoenix being um, in the minority due to being a woman and then going uh, and moving to the GB team being a minority because you're Scottish, how do those um, sort of compare up to each other, sort of being someone who isn't as well represented in a team and then you haven't sort of carry your weight within within that team and stuff? Did that put any pressure on you, do you think, or did you just not really pay much attention to it? I guess it goes back to my school days, doesn't it, you know? I was the minority then because I was the yeah. only disabled person <laughs> and uh, oh, I had to prove myself but not I had to prove myself because to myself you know not because of anybody else and what they were doing um, but even when I was in England you know I did play for the GB women's team and train with them but uh, in 2016 I also joined the Owls which are in Manchester I moved to Manchester and again I was one of two women in the club um, but luckily again the coach Dan Johnson great guy really wanted to support me in my own personal journey. As a woman, you do make sacrifices in wheelchair basketball. Uh, when you do play with men, they are their body composition is obviously different to ours. They are stronger. Um, but when I played with the GB women, obviously it was more equal playing field. But, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful for the opportunities that I've had. Um, but the, the game is definitely evolving. Um, and we now have the new Women's Premier League starting up next season, which will be very exciting. And it'll also mean that uh, you're in an environment where you're you're able to shine even more, which is kind of weird to think because you've been shining <laughs> an awful lot already. So <laughs> I don't know. Oh, but, you know, it's an opportunity for us to do it. Um, maybe not on a weekly basis, but you know, when the gate when game time comes around, it's it's what every men's club has been able to do for a long time. You know, they've been allowed to shine for a long time, and and now it's our turn to to join that, uh, and we deserve it. Do you think it's something which will really help uh, to increase the popularity and sort of knowledge around the sport? Oh, definitely. I think it's going to do incredible things for women's wheelchair basketball, um, which isn't a phrase that you can say right now in wheelchair basketball. Women's wheelchair basketball isn't really a thing. It is. Obviously, we've had women's league for a long time and it's fantastic and that was my first experience of playing basketball and I'll still be involved in the kind of regular women's league um, with my club Dangers of the North um, but I think you know this new Premier League is, is not going to be standalone it's going to help the all of the pathway uh, of women's wheelchair basketball and I'm really excited to see the impact that it has and I'm, I'm really grateful that it's come around during my lifetime of playing and um, but hopefully I'll be involved with it long after I hang up my wheels <laughs> yeah and you talked about your involvement there uh you've also mentioned that whenever you've been been working hard and trying to people wrong it's more it's more for yourself is mm. there also part of you that feels that your time in the sport uh, should be used to help uh, represent other people who might be in a similar situation as you, whether that be a uh, woman who want to get into the sport or someone with a disability who, who doesn't know, just like you did, that they're, they're able to play the sport even if they're not in a wheelchair. It's a part of you that feels that while prove people wrong for you, you also should carry that uh, the weight of other people. Oh, definitely. You know, I want all disabled people people with disabilities and able-bodied people should know about wheelchair basketball. They should know about the Paralympics. They should know about disability sport because it's 
for everyone. It's not just for people with disabilities. Um, and I definitely do not want to think that there's a, a girl in a school somewhere not knowing that it exists. And then when she's older, you know, maybe she doesn't take the same road that I did and gets introduced to it. You know, we could have missed out on our next big deal, our next gold medalist, um, you know, and I really hope that that's not the case, that everyone knows about disability sport so that an able-bodied person, a teacher, all teachers should know about it and they should say, hey, oh, why don't you try that? Um, so if that's something that I do um, is just show wheelchair basketball to one person and then they show another person and they show another person, um, that, would, that would make me happy. And obviously part of getting the sport out is the big tournaments, the big events that, that go around, which you were, were able to uh, start participating in. Such a short time after actually discovering the sport, you were, were very quickly getting getting to these big competitions and, and able to medal. Um, some of the big ones, including obviously you had, you've got your European Championships, your Paralympics, your World Championships and stuff like that. Um, and then you've got your national debut at the Osaka Cup in 2015, yeah, where you uh, where the team was able to land silver. What was that like being in such a competitive experience and then being able to to finish second? Oh, it was unreal. I didn't really play, obviously, because I wasn't very good. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but I got to go to Japan. This wee lassie from here got to go to Japan. How cool is that? You know, I just couldn't. And that was a year after I started playing, exactly a year. So I've, it's just an incredible opportunity. Um, and I remember that's where I scored my first points for GB against Canada. You know, and my hero at the time was the Canadian player, Janet McLaughlin. Incredible. And just to be able to put on that vest and be with the team was an absolute honour. And it was the start of uh, many medals with GB. And I hope it's not the last. I'm, I'm sure it won't be. I'm sure it won't be. Um, a lot of athletes, when they start heading abroad to uh, participate in competitions, you'll find that there's two ways that they can go down. They can either be really focused and, and focus more on the spawn stuff. And then there's other people who um, are just really appreciative of the, the situation that they've been put in, the fact that they're in a different country, the fact that they're participating for their sport uh, and for their country too. What side do you think you uh, fell down more? Uh, I've definitely the competitive there to compete side. Um, we've been to, I've been to Japan six times, I've been to Canada, I've been to America, I've been to Holland about six times and I couldn't tell you what the local attractions were because I don't know because I've not done it. Um, when we go to tournaments, we're there to play. Now, don't get me wrong, I wish I could tell you. In Canada, for example, there's a great supermarket called Loblos and it's amazing. Just brilliant but that's that's the only tourist yeah, attraction yeah. to tell you about um but i do wish that i had seen more especially rio um i haven't i didn't leave the athletes village i went from athletes village to tournament back to the athletes village um i wish i could tell you um more about the cities and the places that i've been and i think now we will get to do that because i actually do think it's important for the team and our well-being while we're out there that we don't just see our hotel room and the basketball court. Um, I think for you to properly relax or to properly be focused, you also have to have times where you can relax. Um, yeah. And I think that being a balanced individual is better for me. So yes, people might fall on either side, uh, but for me, it's about it's about the balance. Yeah, and just jumping back a little to, you, you mentioned Rio there. Rio is 
after speaking to to a few athletes, it's definitely um, it was definitely a Paralympics that I think sticks out for the attraction that it had in the country and the the turnout that it had of the fans. Uh, I know that that was the case for for your swimmings and your athletics. Was there also a, a surprisingly high turnout for wheelchair basketball too? Oh yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, I think we had 16, 15, 16,000. The men uh, might have had a wee bit more because as the women's team, we played Brazil in Brazil, which is pretty awesome, you know. Yeah. You, the, the crowd were fantastic. They didn't boo, they just loved it. They were up dancing, screaming. They didn't care what team it was. Um, I felt incredibly lucky to just be in that environment and you know my teammate was a meter away from me in a timeout and they could be screaming at me and I couldn't hear them because the crowd were that loud and it was that booming um it was just that the crowd were fantastic and but fortunately for me on court I can really zone people out I like to think it's because I've got um four sisters and my ability to zone into the telly was just second to none yeah. so I think I think I really took that um, experience of growing up with a lot of noise around me to be able to just tune that out and focus on what was in front of me Was that the first time that you had been in uh, that you had played in front of uh, a crowd that big? Oh yeah usually it's like I think the most before that was maybe a couple of hundred yeah. uh, maybe a bit more maybe a few thousand at the 2015 um, Worcester European Championships maybe a couple thousand uh, but 16,000 people you can't even imagine you know it's just in- incredible uh, and I feel very lucky to have, to have been part of that yeah I know obviously um, during the, the game and stuff it would have been complete focus on the game was there any point after though where you felt um, quite proud at the turnout being someone who's who's really focused on trying to get get the sport out there and make sure that as many people can hear about it as possible was there any part of you that felt uh, quite proud at um, how big it had actually been compared to what some people might have expected it to have. Oh, definitely. And I think the um, the Brazilian people really got behind the Paralympics. And, and I think it's because they really get behind an underdog. Because um, I know there was obviously a lot of controversy with the Olympics and tickets and stuff like that. Um, but for us at the Paralympics, they really got behind us. And um, we could certainly feel their energy. And I don't know what it was like for people back home in terms of broadcasting, um, but I'm, I'm sure that for Tokyo they're gonna they're gonna put on some some really good stuff on on various different channels. So I'm excited to hear from my parents and kind of what it's like back home. Yeah, and during that, um, am I right in saying you finished fourth at the at the Paralympics? Yeah, what was that like? Just like just missing out on on getting a podium finish was the part of you that was just happy to be there or, or was it a bit of a pain that, um, that you just missed a bronze? I mean, we played the Dutch uh, in that bronze game. That was the highest ever finish. First time GB women had ever made a semi-final or won a semi-final, should I say, um, at a Paralympics. So we made it to a medal game, first time ever. Um, so we'd exceeded, I think, the expectations that were put upon us. Um, but to lose to the Dutch, who were saying nothing but gold, they just wanted gold. The Dutch wanted gold. Um, so I, I think that they were the ones that kind of came out with more of a point to prove. Um, but certainly it is gutting not getting that medal uh, when it's so close. Um, I, I definitely, you know, going into Tokyo, I've got a different mindset because we're now second in the world, second in Europe. Again, with the Dutch just ahead of us. Um, so we've certainly got, got game plans there. 
And there's a lot of people, uh, there's a lot of athletes out there who uh, sometimes if they just miss out on a medal and stuff, they can internalize it. It can affect them quite a bit mentally. And then there's others that can can use that as motivation. Was that a motivating factor for you or was it something that was sort of uh, frustrating to, to just miss out on? Um, I think for me, you know, I, I at that stage, I think I'd been uh, part of the GB squad for a year and a half. Um I knew that I had a lot of growth to do as a player. Of course, I did. I was my I was young, maybe not an age, but you know I was a young player in terms of my career length. Um, so yeah, definitely getting getting that close. I knew that I just had to keep working, keep working the same way that I was. Um, two years later, it paid off because we got second in the world. Yeah, at the um at the world championships yeah. you you came away with a silver which is um it, it definitely does show the the improvement in the squad the the fact that uh it, it went from fourth sometimes just missing out can destroy a team but just a couple of years later and you were coming back and getting silver now heading forward into tokyo that's a a, a big a big thing to look forward to but you won't be going in on your own because I'm sure as some people have heard recently um, a, a story which I had I had definitely heard before and um, something which as first I just want to say congratulations to you are now engaged do you want to just uh, talk us through that story because I definitely think it's one that you'd put into words a lot better oh definitely so uh, my partner Laurie Williams she's been to London 2012 uh, Paralympics, part of the GB programme, a lot longer than me. Uh, definitely better at basketball than me. Um, don't, don't tell her I said that, though. <laughs> um, yeah, we've been together since uh, for six years. Um, and got together shortly after I joined, joined the programme. Um, and, yeah, we got engaged last year, just before lockdown. Um, we were in a tournament, actually, in Japan just before around February time and um, we came back and I, I took her to Paris as a surprise for her birthday that's what she th- thought it was um, but of course Romeo here had other plans um, <laughs> <laughs> but in it was quite funny because like this is before just before all the kind of lockdown pandemic covid rah scary stuff happening and um, so we landed um in London from Japan and they were saying oh you might not be able to to get off and we're like what are you talking about like this is nuts they're just ill what are you talking like obviously very naive at the time but little did we know a month later we would have been in total lockdown so fortunately um we could we got off the plane in time um because we had to drive from London to Manchester and then get back on the plane to go to Paris. Uh, very, very short turnaround. So yeah. I was very grateful that we weren't um, we weren't stopped. We weren't uh, the plans weren't going to stop. So that was that was good. Uh, and then yeah, we went we went around Paris, toured around, and she loves the Eiffel Tower, loves Paris. So I thought, perfect, here we go. And I, what I did was. Um, I got this like selfie tripod thing and I was like, I know I'll be really embarrassing and like set this tripod, set the selfie stick up at a few attractions so that she doesn't suspect anything. So I set it up, you know, she's really embarrassed, raging at me that I'm bringing out this tripod, how embarrassing, um, and taking pictures of us. And then when we got to the Eiffel Tower, I was like, oh, great, it's not very busy. Let's go up on that grass bit there. And she, Laurie uses a day chair, trying to get someone... And convincing someone in a wheelchair to go up on grass is an absolute no. Yeah. So she was honest. She was so annoyed at me. Um, and luckily, 
clever clogs um, managed to set it up and instead of taking a picture I put it on video uh, so I recorded the whole thing uh, so I got down or I, I didn't get down on one knee because my body doesn't move that way um, but I just about just about managed it uh, yeah. you can see it, see it on my Instagram actually we scroll down um, the moment that I kind of got down on one knee and she did not suspect a thing the funniest bit is her face because she just looks raging um, which, which makes me laugh <laughs> <laughs> didn't last long though no exactly <laughs> and mm-hmm. she said yes she did she did say yes so after six years I'd hope she said yes <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no but it, it is it is a, a, a really a really nice story to see you two together especially seeming as it's uh it's something's come about uh, in sport a sport that you love so it is um it, w- it was really nice to see when I found out today <laughs> thank you <laughs> so uh, obviously, as as you said, um, she has been competing in the sport since she was seventeen, so a very very long time. Uh, and you've both been competing uh, together for a while too. What is that? Um, what is that like uh, competing with with someone who um, is now your fiance? Um, you know, it's really good actually. I think we can be honest with each other, um, which in a team sport, I think you need to be able to do. Um, you know, we've had, you know, a lot of a lot of arguments along the way. And I think women's league is definitely somewhere that we kind of uh, worked out kind of the kinks, um, worked out how to communicate to each other. Uh, but ultimately, we both want to win and we're both very competitive. And we know that we both just want the best for the team. And I think that uh, that's why we're there because uh, and we love the game. And we're fortunate that our personalities merge quite well together. Um so I think that, you know, I'm, I'm actually really grateful that we're on the same team because I couldn't imagine it any other way, really. Yeah, and you're both able to sort of uh, push, push each other and um, become better together. Oh, she, honestly, when I first started, because she's a really good defender, one of the best kind of defensive players in the in the world, and she would just be like, keep pushing, keep... Uh, and she would just shout at me like, yeah. stop. Like one thing she hated, like in wheelchair basketball, some people like thrust their hips instead of pushing um and she really hates that um and she would always tell me off for doing it so but she's right I shouldn't that's lazy and I shouldn't do it um so yeah but that's the thing is she could be honest with me where someone else she might not have said that um and as one of the best defenders in the world I'm grateful that I've got her telling me how to be better yeah and uh, both of you are, are pushing each other to to become better in preparation for hopefully a very successful games and uh, i'm sure it will be in in tokyo 2021 what are the what do you think the goals are going into the game you know this is a games like no one else has ever experienced um everyone's preparation has been different has been strange um so to go in with a set goal um i think would be difficult for a lot of no matter your sport um i think it would be difficult to go in with kind of set expectations um, for us as a team, um, our challenge to each other is just to to be the best players that we can be uh, and to ultimately then, as we come together as, as a team, we'll then be the best team that we can be. Um, and I think that's that's our kind of mantra. That's that's the way we're kind of going. Um, and so far, I feel like it's working because um, ultimately in a, in a team sport, we've only been able to work on ourselves so far, on our individual skills, our, our confidence. Um, 
and so that's all we have to go off of because we don't know what we're like in a tournament setting yet because we haven't been to a tournament yeah uh, usually you have lots of warm-up tournaments we're flying here there and everywhere um so we really just have to rely on what we've been doing um pushing ourselves as individuals to, to come together as a as a strong team uh do you think that having someone um from the team in your life more do you think that especially seeming as it's been through uh, a pandemic yeah. where a lot of teams haven't been able to to train together and stuff do you think that having someone by your side to be able to uh, keep your head focused and, and and keep strong has really helped you to 100 percent um we are we live together obviously and during the first lockdown we couldn't get on court from march to september you know we were both kind of working out in the living room doing zoom workout sessions with our SNC coach and you know it's tough I, I couldn't imagine huffing and puffing in my living room by myself you know I'm very much a team person I need my team there to motivate me but also I want to motivate them you know I get a lot of energy from my team and competing with my team you know I'm not a tennis player I'm not a runner I'm a basketball player and basketball is all about the team and um, so for me I'm grateful that I had a little part of my team with me and I'm sure she is you know we're able to still be together talk about basketball and and have fun with it like we're out in our car park dribbling the ball having a bit of fun and to me that's that's really important and I'm sure she wishes I'd shut up about basketball sometimes but um, no honestly I I don't think I would have I could have gotten through the kind of pandemic in the same way I think I would have still come out as a strong basketball player obviously but definitely having that support system with you um, helps a lot and in terms of the the wider team and sort of the the impact of COVID, obviously it's it's going to be the case for a lot of teams going into to, uh, Tokyo in the summer. But it's it's definitely going to have a, a big impact on a lot of people. And seeming as uh, GB is one of the the top teams in the world, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see whether uh, the impact of the of the pandemic will be positive or negative in terms of whether everything will sort of be evened out with teams not being able to play with each other and stuff. Like that. How do you think that the um, the pandemic will affect the sport as a whole in terms of overall team performance and going into the games? Um, it's a good question. I think for all sports, Olympic, Paralympic, the people who will be successful are the ones who were who adapted. You know, and uh, and for me in Paralympics, it's all about adapting to thrive. People with disabilities adapt every day in their lives, and we're just used to it. So I feel like us as a team adapted quickly to the situation because we had to. And because we're so used to it, we're resilient uh, as people with disabilities. Um, I really do think we were able to bounce back quite quickly um, and look for the positives within that as well. With regards to other teams, I don't know. No, I don't know what they've been doing. I don't know what they've been doing as individuals. Um, on the men's side, and some of the women um, have been playing in Europe. So there's a European professional league. Uh, there's one in Spain, Italy, um, Germany. So they've been able to compete, train, compete. Um, one of our, our ladies, Helen Freeman, she's out there in Germany just now training. Um, and it's a mixed team, men and women. Um, so there, are, there have been people who can train. Uh, I know the Dutch have been training as well. Um, but like any games, all you can do is worry about yourself, not your team, but yourself and what you're doing as an individual to make your team better. Um, and there's no doubt in my mind that the women in Germany, America, Canada, are working hard as individuals to make their team better, regardless of any kind of pandemic or situation. Um, yes, it might look different to what they've done before, 
but I'm certainly not going to go in and uh, underestimate anybody. And I definitely think it's it's a really interesting and unique experience. And I also think it has brought a lot of people closer to sport as a whole when they realise how much they've missed it during the pandemic. Um, and especially seeming as uh, new leagues are being set up for um, and going to be televised for uh, wheelchair basketball. I think it will definitely be a sport that has a very bright future in terms of coming out of the pandemic and people who want to discover new sports and want to discover new ways to get into sports. Oh, 100%. And wheelchair basketball is a great sport. I'm really excited for the future of women's wheelchair basketball. Um, I think Britain is really leading the way and I'm really just proud to be to be part of it. And I was certainly inspired by London 2012. I hope that, you know, people were inspired by Rio and coming out of this pandemic, you know, I really hope that, you know, Tokyo 2021, you know, I'm, I'm, I hope that it gives people hope and um, that they will take an opportunity to just to try a sport, whether you're able-bodied, whether you have a disability. Um, I really hope that people will try wheelchair basketball just for the sport because it, it's fantastic. It's definitely got a, a bright horizon going into the future, to say the least. Oh, definitely, definitely. And with all that being said, I think that's I think that's a pretty good good place to finish off right there. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. You know, like I said, uh, Scottish Disability Sport helped me out massively um, when I first started to play. And when I wanted to move move to England, uh, they really supported me. So uh, I am indebted to them. So much appreciated. And thank you for coming on and recording with us today. I think it's it's gone really well. A great story to hear as well. So thanks for that. Oh, cheers, you and really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Paracast. Special thanks to Robin Love for sharing her time and experiences with us. Brought to you by Scottish Disability Sport. Make sure to tune in next time where we discuss all things Paracast with an all-new athlete.